Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Don't Call It Soccer Pod. I'm your host, Preston Weatherington, filling in for Jesse. She was unable to make it on, but she'll be back to our uh, to our regular schedule next week. Uh, I'm joined by, as always, I'm at uh, Malik. Uh, how are you doing up in Chicago? Doing well. It's a pretty hot day here, Chicago, and the fire good. But I'm mostly happy that the Union are doing even better. You know, it's my my favorite team in the MLS, so can't complain too much. Awesome, that's great. And uh, we're also joined by Nathan Carr. Uh, he's up in New York at the moment, uh, about to start covering the Gold Cup uh, all over the place. How are you doing, Nathan? I'm very well, thank you, guys. Thank you for, uh, for having me on on the show. Yeah, of course. And uh, we'll be taking a break from our normal MLS. Uh, programming. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Gold Cup. We'll be previewing all the groups and uh, going to in a little bit more in depth with uh, some of the teams that are that are playing. So uh, why don't we just dive right into Group A? Uh, the seeded team in Group A is Costa Rica. Uh, they've been uh, they've been a bit of a pretty pretty solid team the last couple of years. They made uh, a, a deep run, a surprising deep run in the World Cup in 2014. Um, Amit. Uh, what do you think of this Costa Rica side? Obviously, they're going to be without Kaylor Navas, uh, so that'll be that'll be a uh, missing goal. But what do you what do you make of this team? Uh, how do you think they'll be doing? Honduras and Canada are both pretty solid. Canada's without Kyle Lahren for the group stage, so it's you know it's not an easy group for them. And I'd say out of the you know the ranked teams, they're probably the weakest. But they're a very well organized tactical side. We've seen them play with three kind of five in the back before, and you know I think that. This is a group they should feel that they can win, and that they probably should. So they've got to be feeling with Mexico and United States kind of sending B teams to the tournament. This is their chance, maybe, to win a gold cup. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Canada's been—they've uh, been really improving, uh, at least in continental play lately. Uh, losing Kyle Laren, uh, obviously, with his uh, ongoing issues off the field, they, uh, Zambrano felt like that it was best to leave him off this team, which is a huge miss. Um, Nathan, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add about uh, about this Canada team? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm probably not going to be very popular with, with any Canadian listeners, but I, I don't really rate Canada too highly. Um, now, I know they've got a new coach, Zambrano, and I think it was his first official game, actually, in, in the friendly against Curacao, um, which they won 2-1. But, and I know that they've, they've got some, some, some new young players as well now. Um, but I... I don't really rate Canada too too highly. I mean, last time they made the, the, the World Cup was back in '86. Uh, they failed to make the hex this time around, um, and I, I don't. I think going forward, they're they're better, they're improved, um, but perhaps they've they've got um, holes at the back. So, I mean, they open up against against French Guyana. Um, obviously, one of one of the four Caribbean nations, and in the past, you know, Caribbean nations have, have sprung a surprise, um, particularly against Canada. I mean, they lost one 0 to to Martinique back in two thousand and thirteen um, at the Gold Cup. So I think there could be a potential upset on the cards there. Um, and you know, the, the the last time they won the Gold Cup was in two thousand. So I think I don't know. I think that the the first game for Canada is going to be very important if if they if they have a potential banana skin moment. Um, against French Guyana, which is possible, then that you know that might well set the tone for the for the rest of their uh, tournament. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's dive into French Guyana a little bit. I had to do a little bit of digging. There's a there's a large French contingent with this uh, with this team. A couple of league on players, a couple of 
of League Two players and uh, quite a few players in their third and fourth division. Uh, so uh, the the casual fan probably wouldn't know too much about this French Guyana side. Nathan, can you uh, dive in for us a little bit to uh, give us a little bit of insight on this French Guyana team? Yeah, I'll do my best. So um, French Guyana making their debut at the Gold Cup. So this is a this is a massive tournament for them, a huge opportunity. Um, the goalkeeper Donovan Leon. Uh, called called um, the Gold Cup their World Cup because here's the thing French Guyana they're not part of FIFA so they're not affiliated to FIFA which means that they don't play in any of the World Cup qualifiers um, so having that that chance to play in the Gold Cup is is a is a big big deal for them um, you mentioned the, the tie with France as well there um, Preston they um, they're a French overseas department so. Um, they in the past they've they've recruited for, uh, players from mainland France and, and their squad for this Gold Cup is sort of a combination of locally based players and then players um, from the French lower leagues as well. Um, a big big coup for them um, has been that they they've got Florent Malouda on board, uh, the former Chelsea and France playmaker. So uh, Florent Malouda, former French international, but he was born in French Guyana. He left when he was when he was younger to to pursue a professional career in France, and um, because French Guyana are non FIFA, um, he's got authorization from the French Federation to play, and uh, he made his official debut for French Guyana in their semi final um, defeat to Jamaica in the Caribbean Cup last month, um, and he's thirty seven now, but you know he's still a, an amazing player, really intelligent. Um, uses the ball so well, so he's a big, big um, addition for them in midfield. Um, and you know they've got a decent squad. I, I certainly wouldn't take them lightly. Um, in qualifying, they they won four, lost two, kept three uh, three clean sheets. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think as I said before, they've got the potential to to kind of spring um, spring a surprise against Canada. Um, and another thing which has helped them is that they've addressed the striking issue that they had. So in the in the preliminary rounds of Caribbean Cup qualifier, um, they didn't really have a recognised centre forward. So Gabriel Pregri was playing up top, and they had Alex Eric, who isn't really a, a centre forward at all. Um, but then they brought in Arnold Abilinti uh, last summer, um, who played in the rearranged fixture against Bermuda, again that they won three 0 and you know he scored a couple of goals and hit the ground running. They've also got Shaquille Dutard from Guangon in Ligue 1 now, who I like the look of. He looked good at the Caribbean Cup. He's quick. Um, you know, plays with his head up. Decisions can be a little bit better at times, but I'm sure that will come with with, with more experience. And uh, another player worth looking out for up front is Sloan Privat, who uh, has six goals in three appearances for French Guyana. Um, he was born in French Guyana, actually, but moved to France when he was younger. And um, he also plays for Guangon. Prolific for for, um, for French Guyana, and uh, he scored the winning goal in the third place playoff in the Caribbean Cup. So um, I think going forward, they've got various options. And uh, and the head coach uh, told me after um, after the Caribbean Cup that his target and the team's target for the Gold Cup is to make the quarterfinals. So you know, most most people, I think, a lot of Canadian fans, a lot of Honduran fans, Costa Rican fans will be looking at French Guyana thinking. We'll, you know, we'll walk, we'll walk all over French Guyana. You know, there's, they're, they're not going to get out of the group, but their objective is clear. They want to make the knockout phases, um, and you know, it's probably worth adding context and saying that the two best third place teams can go through or do go through in the Gold Cup. 
so you know that's a potential um, potential route to the knockouts for for them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, it seems like that uh, French guy might be able to uh, nick that third place spot from Canada. Uh, one team that we haven't touched on yet in Group A is Honduras. Obviously, they're uh, they're in the hex of the World Cup qualifying for Concacaf. They've got some very experienced players on this team: uh, Boni Garcia, Minor Figueroa. Uh, Jorge Claros, um, Ahmed, would you like to uh, uh, give us a little bit of insight on what you think of this Honduras team? Yeah, we just saw them in the World Cup qualifying against Mexico and Panama. Uh, earned a nice road point at Panama with a 2-2 draw, but really flat performance uh, also on the road against Mexico, a 3-0 loss. And, you know, they the way they started, everyone will remember it, especially the American fans listening, the 6-0 win for the United States. They're a team that are going to play deep no matter what, no matter the opponent, try to counter. And, you know, the form the form isn't great, but they, they can score, especially dangerous on set pieces as well. And, you know, they also have to be feeling that because Canada, you know, maybe a lesser side, and I'm sure they're probably overestimating French Guiana a little bit, they can finish second in this group. And if they get a positive result in their first match against Costa Rica – you know, I really think they could advance. And just adding on what Nathan said earlier, that bit, that first match between Canada and French Guiana is going to be a huge toad center, for, toad center for mm. both sides. If French Guiana wins that one, they they have to feel really confident that they could get in in a thir- at least a third place spot. Because the way you think, you know, if you have three or four points, even three, you know, in a third place spot, you're going to get through. Yeah, you, you Cuba did that, didn't they? Cuba did that last time out. Yeah, they lost exactly. They lost two of their games, and they still made the quarterfinals. Yeah, so that first game is going to be huge for Honduras and French Guiana. And Honduras, for them, the key has to be they they got to have at least four points against Canada and French Guiana, and that should be able to send them through. And I think they can do that, but we'll see what side comes through in the first game against Costa Rica because while they do like to play you know, really packed at the back, when once Mexico scored that first goal and kind of broke through them, they were pretty flattened and you know dispirited. So it, it's kind of a which Honduras side will we see? Yeah, definitely. Um, would either of y'all like to add in anything about Group A before we move on? Just just not to take French Guiana too lightly. I think um, I, I, I do. I'm really looking forward to, to tomorrow's game because I, I do think that there could be a potential upset on the cards. I really do for French Guiana Canada, but it'd be very interesting to, to see how that one pans out. Great. All right, so let's move on to Group B. Uh, this is the group that has the Americans, but uh, we'll touch on them in a little bit. Let's go. Uh, let's let's touch on uh, the team that will likely make the make the push to try to get that top spot in Group B, and that's Panama. Uh, they've got uh, they've got a pretty experienced side that they're bringing. Uh, Gabriel Gomez, 131 caps. Armando Cooper with 85. Uh, a player that they won't be having is Blas Perez, um, one of their one of their center forwards that's been with uh, Panama for a long time. Uh, he decided that he wasn't going to be taking part in this Gold Cup to give some of the younger players a chance to break into the team. Um, Nathan, uh, what do you what do you think about this uh, Panamanian side? Yeah, I think in, if you look at Panamanian football over the last sort of decade or so, I mean, it's it's, it's really come on leaps and bounds. I mean, they've, they've been making um, the Youth World Cups um, regularly. And, you know, I, 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 the senior teams haven't made this, the, the World Cup, but I, I think, you know, 
it's not inconceivable to say that next year they they might well um, they might make, uh, might well make Russia 2018. Um, I mean, I don't follow Central American football as closely as the Caribbean. There's one player up front for them, Ismael Diaz, who I remember I remember watching him play. I think it was in the either the under 17 or under 20 championship two years ago. Um, and he was very good, Ismael Diaz. I, I realise he's at Porto now in, in Portugal. Um, whether he'll start or not remains to be seen. Um, and obviously they've got you know players with MLS pedigree um, and then the local guys as well. They're going to be favourites, aren't they, to, to claim one of the top two spots? Um, you know, along with the along with the US. Um, and they'll probably be quite aggrieved still from um, from two years ago. You know, when when they um, when they lost to Mexico in the semi-final. Um, I'm sure you guys remember that. It was a really controversial match, uh, kind of dominated by um, questionable refereeing decisions. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, I think the Panamanian players held up like a sign, didn't they? Which, which like, uh, they were having a go at CONCACAF and um, they were really, really uh, annoyed and, and frustrated about, about that loss. So that, I'm sure that'll be playing on their mind still. Yeah, I completely agree that uh, I, I remember watching that game uh, where Panama. I, I personally feel like they got, that they got robbed. There's, I agree that there's some very questionable officiating, and I feel like that Panama was given uh, an unfair hand. So I, I think that we'll be seeing quite a bit of uh, a vengeance coming from from Panama, and we're really wanting to make a deeper run than uh, what they made uh, back in 2015. Uh, let's move on to. Uh, Nicaragua next. Uh, so uh, this is a this is a interesting side. So this is uh, this is a, a team that has primarily uh, primarily team players from their uh, from their local from their local sides, mainly with Real Esteli, uh, who has ten players on their roster. Um, would either of y'all like to uh, touch in on this on uh, Nicaragua? Uh, what do you think uh, that that they'll be doing in this tournament? Um, Nicaragua, you know, not a great you know form recently. They lost to Bolivia twice, uh, and they tied uh, Curacao or earlier this month on the seventeenth of June, and they also lost to Honduras. They really haven't been playing well uh, in twenty seventeen. Only one win coming against Haiti three uh, zero. But the good news is because three teams get through from two groups. There's always a chance. Uh, I do think this is the best group with United States and Panama. Maybe I'm discounting El Salvador and Jamaica a little bit in uh, Group C, but so it's going to be tougher for them to pick up some points. Um, but Panama, like we said, we know they're out for you know they're out for revenge after the last Gold Cup in the U.S. You know it is a B side a little, but they're on home soil and they're perennially favorites to make the final. It's going to be tough for them to pick up points, and you know, with the local domestically based side, it's 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 a big test for them to see how they fare against the rest of their neighbors. And I personally, I think if if you look at the third best team in each group, at least on paper, and you think about who would get left out, I think this this could be Nicaragua because I look at Group C and I see Jamaica and El Salvador, and even Curacao, who I'm sure Nathan will touch on later, is not a team to take lightly. You know, I really think this. Could, this might not be a favorable draw for Nicaragua. They might not get through to the quarterfinal. Yeah, that's that's very fair to say. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's move on to Martinique. Uh, this is another this is another country that 
that is very domestic league heavy. Uh, this is one of those uh, smaller Caribbean sides that uh, that Nathan probably knows uh, a lot better than either Amit or I, or uh, the majority of uh, the people that are listening here. So Nathan, uh, dive into Martinique a little bit. Uh, give us a little bit of information about them. Yeah, sure. So this is going to be Martinique's fifth appearance at the Gold Cup. Um, I mean, their, their best finish was in 2002. Um, when they reached the quarterfinals, Canada beat them 6-5 on penalties. So they're back at the Gold Cup. Um, I liked the look of them in, in 2013, actually followed that tournament pretty closely. Um, and I mentioned earlier that they beat Canada in their opener uh, and, and then went on to lose the next two games. But they're back. It's good to see them back. Qualifying um, was pretty straightforward for them, actually. They won 17-2 on aggregate. Um, and they beat their rivals, Guadeloupe, along the way, as well as Trinidad and Tobago. Um, now, in Caribbean football circles, you know, traditionally, Jamaica, Trinidad and Tobago, they kind of dominate things. So for Martinique to, to, have, um, to have beaten Trinidad and Tobago in qualifying, um, and that win secured their ticket to the Gold Cup, that was huge for them. Um, disappointing tournament for them at the Caribbean Cup last month. Um, now, they were playing at home, so the expectations you know, were relatively high for them. Um, and they disappointed. They, they lost both of their games. Um, it was hard, really, to see the kind of the shape of the team at times. He was playing where, um, you know, they 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 were just they didn't really get going. Um, they improved in, in in the third place game against French Guyana, um, but overall, you know, they 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 were kind of lacking up front. Kevin Parr's main former formerly of Seattle Sounders. He told me after. After the um, the defeat to French Ghana, that you know they're they're just focusing now completely on on the Gold Cup. Um, the squad yet yeah, is is kind of a little bit underwhelming um, because similar to French Guyana, Martinique are a French overseas department. So um, in the past, they've called up players from mainland France, so players who are not de- deemed not good enough to play for France, but have parents or grandparents from Martinique. Um, or are born on Martinique themselves. And the squad is very, very domestic heavy. So they've got a lot of players from, from the local league. And depending on which way you slice it, um, that can be good, seen as a good thing or a bad thing. You know, you could say, well, it's a good opportunity for local players to kind of um, showcase their skills on a, on a bigger platform. But there are some players who have missed out. Um, Jean-Sylvain Babin, the central defender from Granada in, in La Liga has missed out. He missed the Caribbean Cup as well. So has Julian Forbear, who you might remember from, from West Ham and, and Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid. Um, now, the situation with this is because Martinique are not affiliated to FIFA, just like French Guiana, um, clubs are not really obliged to release the players. So for the US, for example, the clubs will have to release the players, right? Because... Um, because it's 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 a it's a it's a tournament by Concacaf by FIFA, and they have to do it. But for Martinique, for French Guiana, for Guadeloupe as well, this also applies to the clubs are not under any obligations. So it seems. So this is to the detriment of, of Martinique's squad selection. You know, Forbear's not in there, Babin's not in there, um, Dominique Pandor from Bastia is not in there. Um, they they on their forty-man preliminary squad, they included. Various various um, players from France like Bruno Grugi, um, Christophe Harrell, Christophe, uh, Christopher Glombard, Manuel Cabit, and they're all not in there. So the squad could have been better. They were poor at the Caribbean Cup. 
and it's a tough group. You know, USA and Panama are expected to to, to kind of take the top two spots. So I think this is going to be um, this is going to be a tricky group for Martinique. Um, and you know, if they can make it into the into the knockout phase, I think they've got to count themselves. Um, well, they've got to count it as a very very successful tournament, really. For sure. And uh, you were saying that uh, that Martinique has had. Uh, one successful tournament, one very disappointing tournament. Um, what, which side do you think will suit Martinique? Do you think that they might be able to pip uh, that third spot from Nicaragua? Possibly, possibly. I, I think Nicaragua are, are kind of um, an interesting one because um, it's quite amazing how they how they they're even at the Gold Cup this year. I mean, they they beat they were, they were in the CFU Uncaf playoff and they they scored three goals in the last minutes to beat Haiti um, in the second leg and. You know they haven't got too much pedigree. Nicaragua um, only played the Gold Cup once before in 2009. Maybe I mean it's I don't know a great deal about Nicaragua and, and their players to be fair. Um, but yeah, Martinique will need to up their game because um, this yeah their their players were, were were poor at the Caribbean Cup. So it's tough to tough to predict the third place spot. But if they can make it into the knockouts, then as I say, they've, they've got to count that as a, as a as a successful tournament. For sure, definitely. All right, so let's move on to uh, the United States. Um, U.S. is playing a very uh, reserved-heavy team. Uh, you'll, I mean, you can definitely call this your B team. Bruce Arena is wanting to test out some of these younger players and to get them into the system to see if they may be able to compete for one of these 23 spots uh, going into Russia next summer. Uh, Ahmed, so how about you uh, touch on uh, this American team? Um, we saw them once already, the B-side. We saw them play Ghana, you know, perennial U.S. foil back from the World Cups. Not perennial, but quadrennial. Um, good 2-1 win, a good offensive showing. Dom Dwyer, a big story there, finally getting on his national score sheet. But, you know, the big story, you know, I think on the side is going to be, you know, what they can do in the midfield. Um, I think Kellen Acosta, who we saw, scored as well. Very, very talented. He's only 21, and I think he's already one of the best midfielders the United States has. And, you know, he, he might just – this might be their B-side, but he could really keep the side going. And, you know, they do have some experience in that midfield. While it might not be like the – you know, their, their best guy, it's not Michael Bradley, Jermaine Jones. But they have Alejandro Bedoya. They have Dax McCarty. And I think those are, those are some players who can really contribute. And I think for Mexico and U.S., it's going to be really important with the World Cup in mind you know, how much these, these fringe guys can contribute and show. Obviously, both those sides want to win the tournament, but when you talked about French Guyana, this is their World Cup. It's, it's a different mindset for the U.S. and Mexico. And, you know, the U.S. isn't looking to win. They just want to see good performances from their team. And I think this is a group, you know, the first Panama game is going to be hard, but they should at least finish second. They really should. And if not, it'll be very, very embarrassing for the Americans on home soil. But... You know, you're looking at the side, and you, you expect big contributions from Dom Dwyer, from Jordan Morris, who especially has been there before. And I think that this U- United States side, it's going to be disappointing if they don't make the final. They didn't uh, when they lost to Jamaica in that Gold Cup in recent memory, and that'll be a problem again. And I, I do think they can get back there. Their defense is going to be a little suspect. You know, Omar Gonzalez is very good. Matt Bessler has Beasler has played before, but then you look around and you're seeing. Uh, it's a bunch of guys you've never seen before. And personally, I don't think Graham Zussi is a great outside back, even though he's been retrofitted there. I haven't liked what I've seen from Jorge Villafania, and he 
struggled to get playing time this past year at Santos in uh, Liga MX. And Tim, I'm also not a Brad Guzman fan. I think it'd be great to see some playing time for the other guys, Bill Hamid and Sean Johnson. But it, it is a wild card. But that being said, all things on, rambling a little here is that Bruce Arena is a very solid tactician. He's very pragmatic. And the problem is if they're going to be able to break down some resolute teams. And I think they can do that and get at least to the final and get out of this group. I think they should do it in first place. But that might be my American bias showing. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely fair to say. Uh, Nathan, would you like to add in anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, I bow down to, to, to a superior knowledge on, on the United States. Um, I mean, I've kind of followed them throughout um, 2018 World Cup qualifying. Obviously, Trent Tobago recently played them, as you said. It's kind of a B team, um, but there are some names that, that, um, that are quite familiar. Dom Dwyer is, is a really intriguing one. Um, you know, being, being born in England and, um, you know, recently recently made his debut, didn't he? And, uh, and, and got on the score sheet. Um, yeah, I, I think there is there is pressure, you know. There is definitely pressure as as one of the, the kind of the heavyweights in CONCACAF when it comes to the Gold Cup. It doesn't matter if it's the A team, B team, C team. The, the fact is the United States are expected to dominate the Gold Cup along with Mexico. You know, it's 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 an expectation. Um, I mean, I remember, you know, when, uh, and Emmy touched on it, when, when the States lost to Jamaica in the 2015 Gold Cup in the semi-final and Giles Barnes and Darren Mattet scored. I mean, there seemed to be a, a, not a meltdown, but, you know, huge kind of um, huge disappointment from from the states, understandably. And I mean, I've got a question to pose to you guys. I mean, how, as American fans yourself, how seriously do you think the United States national team take the Gold Cup? I mean, how how big a deal is the Gold Cup? You know, if if you, if you don't win it and Mexico take the crown, is it a big deal? You know, losing to Mexico, there's no shame in that, but. For the players on the team and even for the fans, they're tired of being second best to Mexico in the in Concacaf, as really they have been the entirety of you know their their lifetime as a program. Despite having won some gold cups, there there is a lot of pride to play for, and for the players, you know themselves, they might be the B team, but they want to make the World Cup. And I know it's similar for you know you can say every con- every country the players want to represent and play their best. But I do think there's something special about playing at home. You know they're there's got to be some pride there. They've got to at least make the final. If they don't, you'll start hearing the critics coming out everywhere, really calling for Bruce Arena's head, even though it might not mean that much. There's just an expectation that they should do that. And then, you know, they lose to Mexico. You'll hear all the hot take columns. Will the U.S. ever get to, you know, Mexico's level? Sure. But, you know, that's a much better conversation to be having. And with two B-sides, it's it's okay to have. I That's my take on it. Preston, what would you say? Are you kind of further along that the U.S. can't even lose to Mexico or a little more reserved? You know, now that uh, that the that the format for getting into the Confederations Cup has changed, that uh, for CONCACAF, it's uh, if that team wins both of the gold cups, then they automatically get into the Confederations Cup. Uh, but if two different teams win, they're in a playoff as to who will get that Confederations Cup spot. So... Uh, my my personal take is that I don't see that there's there's not as much of an importance if the U.S. win uh, this year. If the U.S. do not win in 2017, they're going to put a larger importance in 2019 to win that uh, to win the Gold Cups. So that way, they can fight for that Confederations Cup spot. 
uh, for, uh, I believe it'd be 2021. Um, so I, I think that this, I, I feel like that for this gold cup, uh, that the U S are really looking to add to their depth because you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of players that are getting older. You have Michael Bradley, who's in his lower to mid thirties, Jermaine Jones, who is might as well be 55. Same with Tim Howard. Um, you, there's there's a lot of players that after this World Cup is over, you're going to be losing a lot of your core players, and you're going to be needing to replace that. So that's why guys like Dom Dwyer, Dax McCarty, Kellen Acosta, they're trying out different goalkeepers with Sean Johnson, Bill Hamid, uh, Jesse Gonzalez, who uh, would have probably made it into the 23, but his uh, application with FIFA to transfer his nationality uh, didn't get approved until four days after the deadline to submit your 23. So if you add Jesse Gonzalez into the mix, there's a lot of young goalkeepers who will be fighting to take that number one spot from Brad Guzon once Tim Howard retires. And there's there's a lot there's a lot to be seen with uh, with this young group of players that's right here. So uh, I don't see there's an importance as much in 2017. I, I think you'll see a stronger team in 2019 if the U.S. don't win. Uh, this year, so, a, po- a positive for Martinique as well is that uh, there's no Christian Pulisic this time around. So. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, silver lining. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, if there's nothing else to add uh, with Group B, uh, let's go ahead and move into Group C. Uh, let's go. Let's, let's dive right into Mexico. They had uh, they lost in the semifinals and the and the in the Confederations Cup. Uh, this is a very different team. This is going to be another. This is going to be another B team uh, in this tournament uh, with Mexico. This is a this is a purely uh, Liga MX side with one exception of Eric Torres, who plays for Houston Dynamo. Uh, he replaced an injured player. I can't remember which one, uh, but either way, this is still a pretty strong team. Uh, the player that has the most caps for them is Jose de Jesus Corona. Uh, he's 36 years old. He's a goalkeeper. Other than that, you have Hugo Ayala. Uh, but other than that, it's a lot of young players who haven't had more than 10 caps. So um, uh, I'm going to leave this open for whoever would like to dive into Mexico first. Um, you know, just saying, I'll, I'll add a little. You know, you look at the squad, and there's really only maybe four players that would be in the first team squad for Mexico. Jesus Corona, one of them. Luis Reyes. And then Pineda and Duenas kind of uh, in the mix there. But it, it is a B team. But very much like the U.S., there's a lot of pride in being the best team in CONCACAF. And they think they should win the final, and they're probably the favorite to do so. And also, you know, there's still pressure for uh, manager Juan Carlos Osorio because the fans in Mexico and the critics there are very, you know, very demanding. And they're... Very disappointing to lose the way they did to Germany. They dominated the whole game and still lost 4-1, just you know, playing from 2-0 down at the beginning of that game. And he is the tinker, and you know, I'm kind of not a fan of his style of changing your 11 so much between games. But in a major tournament, when the the fixtures come thick and fast, it can really help your your stamina, your legs over the course of it. And because this is a relatively unknown for you know casual fans that know the bigger Mexico players. This, it's a you know there's kind of a little bit less pressure on them, but at the same time it, they still have they if they don't win there's gonna they're gonna feel criticism anyway. So I'm sure Azorio is thinking about same way the U.S. is adding depth before the World Cup, but 
the fans are going to want to see a win no matter what. So if any team is facing pressure, uh, the most pressure in this tournament, it's definitely it's definitely Mexico. That being said, you look at their group and, you know, it's not easy. Um, Nathan's going to tell us in a second that Curacao is really one of the, the really up-and-coming uh, Caribbean teams. And Jamaica solid. I have to give a shout-out to my boy Andre Blake, who is one of the best goalkeepers in CONCACAF. So we'll see. But they should make it out of this group with ease. They should make it to the semifinals and finals with ease. And we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, they have to think that they can win this whole thing. And they should be expected at least in their mindset. For sure. Nathan, would you like to add anything? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of obvious, isn't it, um, where Mexico's priorities lie um, between the Confederations Cup and the Gold Cup. I mean, obviously, they're sending their, their, their prima donnas to the Confederations Cup there, De Santos, Herrera, Reyes, so on. Um, but, you know, one thing is for sure, it doesn't matter if it's an A team, a B team, the Mexican fans, as Emmy touched on, the Mexican fans are crazy, crazy <laughs> passionate. And, you know, they will want 100% maximum effort um, from Mexico throughout the tournament. The expectations are obviously going to be high, you know, as eight-time winners, as defending champions. Um, you know, the, the, the onus is going to be very much on them to defend that title. Um, admittedly, my, my knowledge of the, of, the, of, the, of the Liga MX players isn't, isn't, too, uh, isn't too great. Obviously, they've got um, Torres, who plays uh, in MLS. Um yeah, I mean, they, they, they're favourites to go through. They're definitely favourites to go through, and um, you know, the, the the fans will be expectant of uh, of them. The the one thing I will say as well is that um, because of they're using a lot of the fringe players on the periphery, you know, this is they've got to look at this as a great opportunity to to kind of stake a claim. You know, particularly with the World Cup next year, if if one or two players have a breakthrough tournament, you know, and really impress, really catch the eye, um, then you know, that, that could really propel them forward. So um, it's a good opportunity for, for their fringe players to, uh, you know, to kind of um, to kind of impress and, and show what they can do. I think looking at the group itself, El Salvador, Curacao, Jamaica, Mexico will be pretty satisfied on paper anyway, I think. Um, yes, Curacao and, um, and Jamaica will, will have their own strengths, which we'll, we might come on to soon. Um, but, you know, they've avoided Panama, they've avoided... Um, they've avoided Costa Rica, Honduras, so um, they should navigate out of this group. And, and, and you know, once they get into the, well, if they get into the quarterfinals, which is very likely, um, you know, it's all to play for them. Definitely, definitely. So I'm going to leave this question open for open for discussion. Um, I was looking at the history of uh, where this tournament tournament has been played. Mexico has only been a co-host twice. Uh, once in 2003 and once in 1993. Every other time there's been uh, the United States hosting, uh, with the exception of in 2015 where Canada hosted a few games in 2015. So do you all think that there might be a little bit of a, a disadvantage for teams like Mexico or teams like some, of these, some of these teams that are actually competing for uh, a deep run that, uh, that it's just a given that the United States is going to be hosting this every time? Do you, especially with how young this Mexico team is, uh, do you think that there might be a bit of a disadvantage towards Mexico? I think there's a disadvantage to a lot of the other teams, but Mexico, you know, you look at their schedule, their openers in San, uh, sorry, they're playing in San Diego, they're playing in, yeah, there's their openers in San Diego, then they play uh, in Denver, which maybe, you know, not as, 
is, is south, but then they play in San Antonio, and then you look at the knockout rounds, they're in Phoenix, they're in Dallas, and then they're in the Bay Area again, the Rose Bowl semifinal, and uh, the final in San Francisco, and there's a lot of support we've seen historically, especially we remember that Rose Bowl game where the U.S. and uh, Mexico played that Confederations Cup playoff, that they're very well supported here in the States, and you know, obviously it's more fun to play at home, and we know how intimidating some of those uh, arenas are, especially the Azteca. But I think they have enough support that in the States that they'll be fine. But for sure, for you know every other team, it's a bit of a travel. And it's, it's you know every year it's here, they're probably saying, hey, why can't we get some love? Definitely. Uh, Nathan, you, would you like to add in on that? Yeah, I mean, you could argue that... Um I mean, obviously, it's on U.S. soil, but you know the 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 large Mexican diaspora in the states and different areas, and uh, there are a lot of the Me- um, American Mexicans or Mexican Americans that that come out and support. So, you know, in that regard, they I suppose they get the support. On 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 your point of um of the Gold Cup always being held in the in the U.S., I can I can understand um, why Concacaf do it. You know, purely from a financial perspective, I can see why they do it. It, it, it brings in revenue, um, you know, TV, um, the infrastructures there in the States, as we see, I think it's 13, 14 host cities altogether this time around. Um, so you can see why CONCACAF do it. You know, is there potential for another country to, to host the tournament, um, you know, in, in the future, particularly with Montegliani, Victor Montegliani saying that in 2019, the tournament's going to be expanded to 16 teams. So we'll have four groups of four, it looks like. So even more teams. Um, then, yeah, potentially. I mean, I could see Mexico hosting it. Um, you know, I can't see why Mexico couldn't host a whole cup, you know, by themselves in the future. Um, Canada also. I mean, Canada... Um, hosted a, a few games in 2015, um, and then you know from from the Caribbean side of things, I mean, the infrastructure probably isn't quite up to scratch at the moment. But you look at um, you look at a country like the Bahamas, maybe, or the Bahamas um, held uh, the FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup um, earlier this year, and that uh, was a success. Or you know Jamaica, or, or or one of the islands that's kind of um, well versed and experienced with tourism. Um, you know, you don't need, you'd only really need to have the football specific infrastructure to, to 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 have something like that, or or kind of a combined Caribbean hosting. You know, where various islands host different games. Um, so that's a potentially something. But but yeah, you can kind of understand why why the US always get chosen year upon year because financially it's it's a win it's a winner, isn't it, for Concacaf. Yeah, and the TV uh, rights are obviously huge. And to have, you know, uh, the games are just on American networks, it's so easy for them. They're familiar with these stadiums because they've had many American football games there, NSAR games there, there before. You know, who, who, who's the big audience for these games? Where's the money, at least? The, net, the American network. And you're going to try to convince an American network, all right, for a whole month you're going to have to go to Mexico or – a few different island nations and set up there and you're going to have to broadcast there. It's just a little bit harder. I know Mm. personally, I'd be really intrigued by, you know, a few joint nations, Jamaica, Bahamas, Dominican Republic, maybe, Mm. you know, they're not as big of a soccer nation, but uh, for sure. I mean, you know, definitely in tourism sense, they, they might have some of that infrastructure, like you're mentioning. I'd be intrigued by that, but that's something that, 
the the new you know head of Concaf is going to have to push himself. I think we we could be headed there though. And the way expansion, they always want to try new things, put more teams. That's the the new theme: more money, more money. If there's a way to monetize it, they'll do it. Mm. Well, that's that's what Montagliani keeps saying, isn't it? With really part of his one Concacaf uh, vision. It's, it's all about business, business, business. And um, I know he's been traveling around different Caribbean islands as well over the last 12 months or so, um, talking to head of associations and whatnot. Um, but it, I suppose it comes back to the point, doesn't it, about the Gold Cup very much being geared towards the US and Mexico. You know, always the US, Mexico, US, Mexico. Um, and it kind of built towards the North American, uh, North American block, if you like. Um, I think I read as well recently that a statistic that 91% of CONCACAF revenue is generated by America and Mexico. So, you know, you, you can kind of understand it. It's, all, it's, always, it's always fascinating me, though, that you look at CONCACAF membership. I know we're going off on a bit of a tangent here, sorry, but you look at CONCACAF membership, there's 41 members altogether, okay, and 31 of those 41 are from the Caribbean. Yeah, it's so top-heavy, you know? It's so yeah. top-heavy. Like Mexico and the US, and to an extent Canada, just dominate, dominate, dominate. Whether it's the CONCACAF Champions League for Mexican clubs or, or the Gold Cup, hosting, winning titles. Yet, you know, over 50% of the membership is from the Caribbean. Obviously, you've got Central America as well. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was a great discussion for sure. Uh, it definitely leaves a lot to think about, maybe some future ideas for hosting. Uh, but let's go ahead and move, let's go ahead and shift back towards uh, this preview. Um, Nathan, we're just going to keep on going with you. Uh, we've touched on this on this country a few times uh, before we before we started this pod. Uh, you excited us a little bit with this team, uh, Curacao. Uh, this was uh, this was a team before we started talking. I knew absolutely nothing about. I probably didn't even know that they even existed. So uh, Nathan, get like fill us in. Uh, tell us why we should be excited about Curacao. Okay, so you've got Curaçao in Group C, your new Caribbean Cup uh, champions. So they, they won their first Caribbean Cup at uh, the back end of last month. They, uh, they beat Martinique in the semi-final, and then they beat defending champions Jamaica uh, 2-1 in the final. Um, their rise has been pretty amazing. You know, they were, um, they were low, 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 low down in the, in the FIFA World Rankings around 12 months or, or so ago. Um, and their progress has been very, very good. A number of things have, have happened for Curacao, really. Um, firstly, Patrick Clover came in in early 2015, whose mother is from Curacao. His father, father is from Suriname. And he came in as, as head coach and really just, just added another level of professionalism, made things a lot more professional. Um, and his name alone kind of um, meant that Curacao could attract a number of players um, born in the Netherlands with, with roots in Curaçao. So Curaçao, they're, they're, they're a constituent country within the Kingdom of the Netherlands. In other words, they're, they're sort of controlled by the Netherlands. Um, and uh, there's quite a lot of players, professional players in the Netherlands with who haven't played for Holland national team, but can play for Curaçao. So he brought in the likes of Leandro Picuna, Jorginho Antonia, um, Rangelo Gianga, Feliciano Zuschian, Gina Van Kessel, um, Alson Hoy, Daryl um, Lackman, the, the list goes on. And he brought in all these players and at the start of the 2018 World Cup qualifying campaign, they've played together now for the, you know, the last kind of two years. So the recruitment side of things was very good. Um, 
Clive are introduced to kind of Dutch passing philosophy. They're, they're a nice, attractive team to watch. They like to play possession-based football, which you'll, you'll probably see at the Gold Cup, although they might have to modify that a little bit, depending on who they play, particularly against Mexico. I don't think they'll, they'll have the bulk of possession. Um, but they are a team that likes to, to get it down and play on the ground. Um, they've certainly laid down a marker by winning the Caribbean Cup and Leandro Bicuna and, and Cuco Martino we spoke to after after the after the final they were both saying that um, the players are feeling so confident you know they're feeling so confident Remco Bicentini who's the current head coach so he took over from Cliver um, he's come in he came in at the back end of last year and has done a very good job um, the transition between Cliver and, and Bicentini has, has been pretty seamless Bicentini was the assistant beforehand Um and, you know, I think they should be quietly confident going going into the Gold Cup. Um, you know, if you look at their squad, 15 of the 23 players called up were actually born in the Netherlands. Um, so they've grown up in that Dutch football system. They've got the Dutch football education. And only three out of the 23 play in Curaçao. Two of those are goalkeepers. So they've got a lot of overseas experience, players across Europe mainly in the Netherlands, in the, in the top and second divisions, but also in, in Japan, Portugal, the Philippines. Um, so, you know, I, they, they, as I say, I like to call them, I was saying off air, like the Caribbean's new kid on the block, almost. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a team that shouldn't be taken lightly. Um, interestingly as well, they open up against Jamaica, who they beat in the Caribbean Cup final. Um, so that'll be tasty, I think. Jamaica will want to avenge their, their defeat. Um, and they've made a new, a few new additions as well to their team. Um, so you know, Curacao should expect a more difficult game, I think, against Jamaica. El Salvador in their second game. Well, they played them in a friendly um, early this year and drew, and they also played them in, in 2018 World qualifying last year and lost two nil, showing narrow loss. Um, and then they finished up against Mexico. So um, Bicentini has said that the the players need to understand that the Gold Cup is on a much larger scale, which it is. You know, it's going to be more publicity, there's going to be more attention on them. Um, they've got to be able to deal with that. And they are making their debut as Curacao, formerly in Netherlands Antilles. Netherlands Antilles played at the, the CONCACAF Championship before the Gold Cup. Uh, they finished third in, in 1963 and 1969. But, but as Curacao, they're making their debut. Um, so they, they should be quietly confident, I think, in this group of, of advancing to the knockout phases. That's awesome, yeah. So there's there's definitely a lot to be excited about. Uh, someone who could be uh, a bit of a surprise in this tournament. Um, let's let's move into the team that they beat in the Caribbean Cup final, Jamaica. Uh, there's some fam- familiar names with this team: Andre Blake, uh, Darren Maddox, Javon Watson. A lot of MLS players, a couple of of NASL players as well. Uh, Ahmed, uh, would you like to give us a little bit of information on Jamaica? Sure, you know, uh, I'll, I will leave hopefully the bulk of it to Nathan. I'm sure you're probably a little bit more familiar with them than I am. But, you know, American fans will be familiar with a lot of these guys. They do have a large MLS contingent. On top of the names you added, Alvis Powell for the Portland Timbers, Jermaine Taylor on Minnesota. Um, it's a it's a very solid team. Um they, and we've seen them before. They played on the big stage. Uh, they did not make, uh, I believe if I'm right, they didn't make uh, the the Hex, right? Yeah, no, they correct. didn't make the Hex. They had yeah. a very, very disappointing fourth yeah. round. Which, yeah, which was about to say, very disappointing for them. But 
You know, they've, they've been around the block. They did make the final of the Gold Cup, somewhat shockingly beating the United States in 2015. And, you know, they, they have to think they could maybe do that again. It's going to be harder, and they're definitely not favored to. But the players are familiar with the big stage. They, they've, got a good, they've got good talent. And uh, I am a huge Andre Blake fan. I do think he's one of the best goalkeepers we're going to see in this tournament. But, you know, I'll set, I'll set that aside a little. And you see a team that's organized, knows how to play well. They're fast. They get out on the counter. Uh, and you look at their group, you know, obviously playing Mexico is going to be hard. But El Salvador, Corsau, I think they should, you know, really fancy their chances to get in second or third. Which one, it'd be, you know, maybe doesn't matter. But they, sh- they should advance. They should advance. But as we found, Corsau is going to be a very challenging team and. El Salvador, not a team I know a lot about, but so I'll put them as a known. But I think this is this is a group they can get out of, and their goal, you know, maybe internally is making the semifinal. But I think they should at least make the quarterfinal. You know, I think they can do that. I think they can. Yeah, uh, Nathan, would you like to add in a little bit more information on Jamaica? Maybe some of these uh, more of the domestic players that uh, we might not be as familiar with. Yeah, I think it's it, it's worth just adding a bit of context to this. Really, I mean. Um, the 2015 Gold Cup, yes, it was a fantastic tournament for Jamaica. You know, they, they reached the final, became the first Caribbean island to, to, to reach the Gold Cup final. Um, you know, and they, and they did brilliantly. But you can't escape the fact that this time around, it's a very different looking team to the one that made the Gold Cup two years ago. Um, there's a notable, noticeable absence of uh, UK-born players and UK-based players. Um so um, it seems now that, that basically Jamaica football is, is in kind of a rebuilding mode. They're on the other side of what was a very, very poor 2018 qualifying campaign. In the fourth round, they won just one game, scored two goals. They've got a new coach in Theodore Tapper Whitmore in his fourth stint at the helm. So Winfrey Schaefer is gone. And Whitmore, he wants to give Jamaican-born players it seems, uh, more of an opportunity. So players born on the island itself and the likes of Wes Morgan, Adrian Mariapa, Gareth McCleary, um, Clayton Donaldson, Giles Barnes, who scored that free kick, Simon Dawkins, Joel Grant, all of these UK-born players, they're not in the squad. They weren't in the Caribbean Cup squad. They're not in the Gold Cup squad. And it's quite a newly assembled team that Jamaica will be fielding. Um, There's quite a lot of players that have under 10 caps to their name. Um, haven't got too much international experience. Um, some of them are based locally. Rosario Harriet, um, Ewan Granderson, uh, Michael Binns, who had a brief stint stateside, Laidel Ritchie. Um, so it is quite a newly assembled team. And, and at, the, at the Caribbean Cup, which I, I reported on for my blog, I was there in Martinique, um, they were pretty underwhelming, Jamaica. You know, the, the, one of the things that was really um, disappointing for them was that they started both of their games really slowly. They took a long time to get out of the traps. Um, I mean, some would say that they were quite lucky to get past French Guyana in, in the semi-final. So they won on penalties, 4-2. Um, Corey Burke scored, scored the winning penalty for them. And then in the final, Curaçao were, were pretty much in control of the, of the final. You know, they controlled possession, they controlled the, the chances. Um, so the Caribbean Cup was, was very, very disappointing for Jamaica. They have strengthened the team... Um, for the Gold Cup, some MLS additions that Amit touched on. So you've got Andre Blake, or who'll be back in between the sticks. Uh, Jermaine Taylor, Darren Mattox, Kemal Lawrence, who I'm a massive fan of at left back. Um, 
you know, I think he's a, he's a really top left back. Alvis Powell, um, they, Javon Watson, you know, they'll, they will strengthen the team, but you can't escape the fact that it is a very different looking team. Um, a lot of players with not too much international experience. And I, I really think they'll miss, you know, a Morgan or a Mariapa um, or a Barnes just to add that extra bit of, of quality, um, I think. Um, I do worry as well at centre-back for them. Um, so they've got Damian Lowe, um, formerly of the Seattle Sounders, Sergio Campbell, Laidel Ritchie and Jermaine Taylor. Alves Powell can also play a centre-back, but... Um, you know, if, if one of kind of if there's a partnership of Lowe and Richie or, or, or Richie and Campbell, um, because they haven't played together too much, you know, there isn't much chemistry between them or understanding as of yet, then you know, one of Corazao or, or El Salvador or Mexico could take advantage of that. Um, they'll want to be getting to the quarterfinals, um, you know, and Whitmore was in charge back in, in 2011 when they did that. Um, it is possible, but um, I think it's just it's just worth highlighting that you know you can't really compare this team to the team that that that, that made it all the way to the Gold Cup final two years ago. For sure, yeah, that's that's definitely a fair assessment. Uh, let's move right along uh, with the last team that we have left to co- cover, El Salvador. Uh, this is uh, this is a team that has a little bit of a mixture of experience and youth. Uh, some of their players that have uh, the most uh, experience would be Darwin Saren with San Jose Earthquakes, Richard uh, Menivar with New York Cosmos, um, Andres Flores with New York Cosmos also. Um, I'm going to leave this open to either of y'all. Uh, which one of y'all would like to give a little bit of insight on El Salvador? Uh, like I said, I don't know too much about them, but you know, looking at their, their recent results, uh, they lost 3-0 to Ecuador earlier in the month. Uh, they tied Honduras and Curacao. Uh, in May and March, respectively. Um, you know, looking at the roster, I do recognize the the uh, Cosmos players. Again, I'm not going to claim to know too much about this team. Maybe it's a little bit of a weak point knowledge here for us, but this is a side that, you, in, in a group with Jamaica and Curacao, they, they might be able to get through. Obviously, Mexico is a tough test. Uh, I think their goal is also going to be to make their quarterfinals, and they might be able to do so, but we've been saying that for a lot of teams. There's going to be some teams left out. And if you're looking at, at candidates, you know, maybe we're all collectively very excited about Curacao, especially Nathan, who, who has seen them, and they're, they've got a lot of European-based talent. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if El Salvador missed out here on the knockout round. But maybe that's ignorance. I, I'm not sure. For sure. And um, going going into that, let's go, let's go ahead and go straight into – uh, our predictions for the quarterfinals. So just to do a little bit of recap, uh, the top two in each group uh, make it into the quarterfinals, and then the two best third-place teams make it into the quarterfinals as well. So we'll go on to Group A, uh, Costa Rica, Honduras, Canada, and French Guiana. Uh, Nathan, I'll start with you. Who are going to be uh, your two automatic qualifiers, and who will be your third place? I think automatic qualifiers, you, you've got to have Costa Rica. I think Costa Rica will, 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 will top the group. Um, Honduras wins second. And Canadian fans are not going to like me, but I've got a sneaky <laughs> feeling that French Guyana might just grab one of the best, um, best third-place spots. Um, I've had a couple of people on Twitter say that 
they think French Ghana are going to beat Canada tomorrow night at Red Bull Arena. Um, it would be a shock, but um, I think a potential upset could well be on the cards there. So I think Costa Rica, Honduras, and then French Ghana through into the into the quarters as one of the best third place teams. Great, Amit. Um, I've actually been very disappointed with what I've seen from Honduras, albeit you know it's just been World Cup qualifiers. You know, I'll I'll go all the way and put French Guyana in second, just because you sold me, Nathan. I'll put Honduras in third, and you know I, I kind of agree with you that this Canada side is lacking talent, especially in the back. Cool, and I'm going to go with Nathan as well. I'm going to say Costa Rica and Honduras to the top two, and then French Guyana uh, will get that third spot. Um, all right, so we move into Group B: United States, Panama, Nicaragua, and Martinique. Uh, I'll, Nathan, I'll start with you again. I think Panama top, USA second, Nicaragua third, and Martinique fourth. Uh, and Nicaragua is third, but not as one of the best third place teams. I just think that that um, Panama Panama are, are kind of developing all the time. Um, and they've got enough strength in depth, I think, to, to finish top. USA have obviously got their, their inverted commas, lesser players involved, um, but I still think they, they've got enough to go through. So, yeah, I think Panama, USA, Nicaragua, and Martinique. Okay, awesome. Um, Amit? Uh, I'll have the, the USA top, maybe tied on points with Panama, maybe some goal differential there. Well, we'll see how they both those teams fare against Nicaragua and Martinique. And then third place, I'll also have Nicaragua and Martinique in fourth. And I, I do agree that Nicaragua is will be the third place team to miss out here uh, on the quarterfinals. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to agree with both of y'all. Uh, I've seen quite a few of these Nicaraguan players uh, play, uh, mainly because the majority of their players are from Real Esteli. Uh, they played FC Dallas and the Concacaf Champions League. I got to see uh, some of their players and. Uh, I think that they'll be able to get into that third place spot, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with uh, with them missing out on that on that third place, getting into the quarterfinals. So um, with Group C, we have Mexico, El Salvador, Jamaica, and Curacao. Amit, I'll start with you. Um, I'll have Mexico at the top. Um, you know what? This is two second time of putting you know some of these Korean teams in the second place group. Maybe I'm totally overblown here, but. Uh, I'll have Curacao second. I'm sold, and I do am familiar with some of these players, although I wasn't really familiar with the side as a whole. I'll have them second. I'll have Jamaica third, and El Salvador fourth. I have a feeling I'm going to be totally wrong at all of these, but who knows? That's fair. That's, <laughs> that's definitely that's, fair. <laughs> that's, that's actually exactly the same as me. So I, I, um, I made my predictions on this group actually last month, early last month, and it hasn't changed since. I had Mexico um, at number one. Then Curacao in second, so to automatically go through to the knockout phases. Uh, Jamaica in third, going through as one of the best third place teams, along with French Guyana. And then I had El Salvador um, in last place. I don't know if this is just Caribbean bias or <laughs> running through running through my, my veins here, but um, I don't want to put too much pressure on on Curacao or hype them up too much, but. You know, I followed them closely right from from March 2016. Um, you know, when when they began their their qualifying campaign away away in Barbados, and um, they're they're really in a good moment at the you know at, at the minute. And I, I just feel they've 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 got, really got the capacity to um, 
to finish in the top two. So I think they will. Um, and then, yeah, Jamaica, Jamaica in, in, in third. Um, I don't know a huge deal about El Salvador because I don't really follow Central America as closely. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see what, what, they, uh, what they do. But Group C, I think, is one of the more interesting groups. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go against y'all a little bit. Uh, try to break up the flow a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna say Mexico's definitely gonna get that top spot. I'm gonna say Jamaica is gonna get second, and I'm gonna put Curacao in third. Um, uh, solely just because I mean I've learned a whole lot about this about this country, uh, about this team over this last uh, couple hours. Um, but the thing is, I just haven't seen them yet in, in play, and I don't think I could actually justify uh, giving a team that I've never seen play before that that automatic qualifier spot. So I'm going with Mexico, Jamaica, Curacao, and then El Salvador. Um, so that wraps up everything. What? what? Oh, yes, go ahead. Sorry. So I just want to say, just quickly, um, finally, in their opener against Jamaica, look out for, for a lot of possession from Curacao. Um, because they're, they are, as I said before, they are a team that really like to keep the ball and build out from the back. And even the goalkeeper, Eloy Room, he'll initiate ta- attacks from, from, from deep, and everybody's very technically proficient and comfortable on the ball. So that's a real hallmark, um, a real theme to their play. Awesome. That sounds great. So uh, the CONCACAF Gold Cup kicks off uh, tomorrow, Friday, July 7th, and uh, it will go on over the next several weeks. Uh, we encourage y'all to uh, catch as much of this Gold Cup as possible. This is going to be uh, a very exciting tournament, a uh, mixture of some veterans that you've seen play over the, over the last decade, uh, a lot of new faces that uh, that could that could definitely excite us. Um, so that's going to wrap up everything for the Don't Call It Soccer show. Uh, Ahmed had to step away, but I want to give him a plug. You can give him a follow at uh, Ahmed K. Malik. On Twitter, uh, he's definitely a good follow to have. Uh, Nathan, where can we find you? Uh, where can we find your work? Yeah, okay. Well, thank you very much for, for having me on the show, guys. Um, you can find my blog uh, at com. So um, I'll be I'll be at various Gold Cup games um, in New York, Tampa, and San Antonio. So be uh, putting on a lot of coverage onto the blog, and then on Twitter, I'm at Caribbean Football Football abbreviated to FTBL. Uh, and the same on um, Instagram and I'm also on Facebook as well, forward slash the home of Caribbean football, football abbreviated to FTBL. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to kind of um, discuss things. Uh, I'm generally on, on Twitter the most. And, uh, yeah, really, really excited and looking forward to to, um, to covering my, my first Gold Cup. Should be really good fun. For sure, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you provided so much insight uh, with some of these teams that uh, that we knew really nothing about, so you've uh, you were definitely very valuable to us. Uh, you can give me a follow on Twitter at pdub one one six. You can find this show on SoundCloud, on iTunes. Uh, you can also find it on the All In Sports Talk Network uh, uh, network that I am part of. You can give them a follow at All In Sports Talk. Uh, that and along with all the other World Football Index shows, and you can also uh, go to their website as well. Uh, so just wanted to wrap this up saying thank you and hope you all have a good one and enjoy the rest of your day.